I'll uh, invite Emma up. Emma, I didn't talk to you about this beforehand because I came in uh, late, as people noticed. But um, is this okay? Right up here? Okay. Sounds good. So uh, here's something. I've gotten to know Emma now for a month and a half, almost two months now. Um, One thing I've noticed right away and what I really appreciate about Emma is um, she's got a great meekness about her. And my definition, I don't know if this is correct, but how I've learned about meekness is it's like power under control, like power not showing. And Emma is unbelievably capable. She continues to blow me away just with her faith, her knowledge, her humility. She's got so much to offer, but she doesn't present herself as the loudest person in the room or I've got all the ideas, but uh, she's full of them. She's got uh, an awesome, awesome foundation, and I'm so excited to hear more about her story tonight. And so um, I'm going to pray for you, Emma. Is that okay? And then, uh, then she, can, she can roll. Dear Jesus, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for the stories that you give each and every one of us, Lord. And um, I pray, God, that we would continue just to discover um, how you have been at work in our lives. Your fingerprints are all over um, the hard parts of our lives, the awesome parts of our lives. And so, God, would you continue just to challenge us all on our own stories of, of what, what, is, what is your story in, in our lives. And today, God, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds for, for the story that you've woven into Emma's life, God. And would you just use this, um, use our, our night and um, give Emma words to speak and us ears to hear. Thank you for it. Amen. It's all yours, Emma. Hello. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about those words of that song, I owe all to you. Um, and isn't that so true in all of our lives that we owe it all to God? And um, it's so true of my story, too. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super honored to be able to share my story with you all tonight. Um, my story of grace is going to be more like a life story. Um, I want to tell you guys the ways that God has walked with me throughout my entire life. So I think my testimony really begins with my baptism. I was baptized on March 19, 2000, at three months old. And though I don't remember this event, it is where God first claimed me and brought me into his family. And I grew up as a youth director's kid and then eventually a pastor's kid. Um, So the church was really my second home, except it had cool passageways, like secret passageways that are really just the sacristy. But our sacristy was cool. It went behind the altar and down into the youth room. So that was really awesome for me when I was a kid. Um, And there was a cool balcony where you could hide during sardines. Um, And then there was this closet. There was this closet where it looked tiny. It was like a crawl space. But then you open it up, and you'd go in. And it was like like closet for miles, it felt like. It just kept going. And I thought that was the coolest closet. I don't know if Pastor Dave went to my church. Do you remember that closet? Yeah. (laughs) To me as a kid, it was huge. So I don't know if it was actually that big, but... (laughs) Um, So yeah, the church in itself was this huge, mysterious building with all these little secret passageways. Um, And just as children experience wonder and awe at the mysteries all around us, I experienced this wonder at my church, but also when I thought about God. Um, Did any of you guys have really weird beliefs when you were kids? Raise your hand. Everyone was pretty normal. Yeah? Well, some of my weird beliefs that I had when I was a kid was thinking that everyone that lived before like 1950 lived in a black and white world, like for real, because I couldn't comprehend that they saw color when all I saw of them on the TV was black and white. 
Um, or there's another funny one. I believed that I could breathe underwater. I thought that, yeah, if I just like open my mouth and breathe underwater, like what's the problem with that? It should work. Um, luckily, I never tried it, but I, I fully believed that I could and that I was special and, or that everyone was lying about the fact that you can't breathe underwater. So there are so many unknowns in my childhood, so many things that I believed that just weren't true or just that, had, that I had misconceptions about. And I felt like the world was so big. I don't know if you've ever gone to your elementary school as an adult and realized that the hallways are a lot smaller than you think, but as a kid, they're just so big. Um, it's a huge school. Um, and the world to me wasn't, wasn't a scary big. It was kind of a friendly big, an exciting and exhilarating big. And again, this same mentality and experience of the world translated to my relationship with God. God felt powerful, big, and mysterious, but he wasn't scary. He was like a father. He was someone that I was in awe of and someone that I knew could make everything right and okay. And I didn't really know how, but I didn't need to know how. And looking back on this way of living in relationship with God, at first I can call it kind of silly or naive, but I think that there's something really so special about this childlike faith in God that just leans on his goodness and doesn't really worry about how it all works out. But as I got older, I started to learn more and my brain started to develop and I started to have questions. I was really interested in science in middle school. Um, and I remember when we were learning about evolution and the Big Bang Theory and all this stuff and I started to really have some doubts and some questions, questioning whether God was the creator, whether um, the Bible was true and what was it saying. Um, if evolution could be true, how could God's word be true? Um, and then, you know, as social media got introduced into my life, I got, um, I saw lots of negative voices on the internet against God and against Christianity. Those voices got louder. My classmates didn't all believe in God anymore. Um, it was just, it was a little bit harder to hold on to that childlike wonder and faith that I had. I remember having all these questions and doubts. Lots of the mystery about God had faded, and now I wanted the truth. I wanted the cold, hard evidence and facts. Um, and at this time, my youth director and then another mentor of mine stepped into my life and they um, told me that we should start a Bible study where we read through the Bible in a year. And they didn't even know how much I'd been struggling with my faith. And so now I know that God really placed that on their hearts to tell me that and to start this Bible study. So um, with, the three, or with the three of us, um, we read through the Bible in the year. And, uh, you know, I just took up and read God's word front to back for the first time. And he spoke to me as he always does in his word. And he reassured me that he was faithful even when I wasn't. Through his story of salvation, I didn't need the cold, hard facts and the evidence anymore because I, I had the story of God and I had faith in what he had promised and what he had told me. And more than that, I even realized that this mighty and big and powerful God wanted a relationship with me. Like this random middle school kid, he wanted a relationship with me. <laughs> and he wanted to be my friend and my father and my teacher and my savior. And if God was a powerful, good, heavenly father to me as a child, he became a father that spoke directly to me in his, world, in his word. I could access God's word directly. He could speak to me directly. And that was so special. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, as I went to high school... Faith and understanding became really important to me. I got into theology and um, kind of asking the big questions of faith. And I really started to grow into a Christian community that was my own in my youth group. 
Um, and this, this was just the high point of my faith growing up. It was just a time of flourishing and growth and just trust in God and um, just an awesome time for my faith. I felt really close to God. And then I went to Wheaton College, um, which is an awesome, deeply Christian school. We went to chapel three times a week. We had Bible classes. We had amazing professors, amazing Christian community. Um, and so I had an amazing year there, just growing more in my faith. And then I went and worked at a summer camp for a summer. That was a Christian summer camp. And I felt on top of the world. Everything was smooth sailing. It was going so great. Um, God was so close. I, was, I felt so spiritual. I felt so connected to God and to Christian community. It was so great. And then I went back to school in the fall that year. And suddenly everything just went crashing down. And it was more in my head than anything else. But I started to feel super, super low. I started to feel super tired, super unmotivated, like to the point where I didn't want to leave my bed, much less my dorm room. I didn't want to hang out with friends. I didn't want to go to church, to class, to anything. All of my drive was gone. Sleep, for me, became an escape from reality. It wasn't even sleeping because I was tired. It was sleeping because I was able to leave the world for a bit, escape from my thoughts, which were always negative and horrible, escape from my commitments and just how mundane life could be. I felt numb is how I really describe it. I felt numb emotionally, spiritually, mentally. On the weekends, my friends would ask me to hang out and I would say no because I didn't want to hang out with anyone. I wanted to just be by myself and I didn't have motivation or energy to, to go and have fun even. Then I would just sit in my, my dorm room alone on the weekends with myself and with my thoughts, and I would just stew in these negative thoughts about myself and the world around me, and I just kind of lost all sense of love or care for myself. It was like black and white, it was like day and night, the summer to the fall, where just like suddenly everything was low. Um, and then I struggled in my classes, which didn't help because um, I just felt really bad about my performance in school then too and just how I was slacking off. And it just kind of went into the cycle of rumination of just, I'm the worst, life is the worst. Um, I just want to escape, which is really, really sad. I felt unable at this time to worship or connect with God. And looking back, I think I felt a little bit unseen or abandoned by God. But then one day I was listening to a song um, I had put on the song, I don't know why, but I had put on the song Looking for a Savior by Will Reagan and United Pursuit. Um, and the chorus of this song goes, I am looking for a savior I can see and know and touch, one who dwells within the midst of us. May a broken God be known in the earth and wind and trees. May our souls behold humility. And that day, the lyrics of that song struck me so hard. I felt in that moment that Jesus was so close, so near to me in my mental suffering, my loneliness, my numbness to life. Um, I started reading up on the song, listening to it a lot, and I wanted to read this quote from a review that I read that kind of sums up what the song was communicating to me. It says, Jesus, who became broken on our behalf, lavishly extends the sympathy of heaven. That's a lyric from the song. He knows what we're going through. He's not millions of miles away. He's in the dirt with us. He's in the mess, and that is good news. 
It's from Nathan Frey. I was struck by the fact that Jesus entered into the mess of humanity. You know, I always knew that God became human. That's kind of a given. We know that God became human. He was born and put in the manger at Christmas. But I don't think I really knew in my heart that Jesus was a human. He was fully human. He entered into the mess that we made. And he suffered not only physically, too, and this really got me at this time. He suffered mentally and emotionally, too. Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was abandoned by his other friends at the hour of his death. And he was left on the cross to suffer the most humiliating death. Not only was he dying, but he was being mocked as he was dying. I mean, I think about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, and how he was literally in such mental anguish that he was sweating blood, and his disciples couldn't even stay awake to pray with him. He went back and he found his disciples asleep again and again. I mean, the loneliness that Jesus must have felt that night as he realized what was going to happen the next day, but as everyone around him was oblivious to it and didn't even seem to care enough to stay awake with him. Jesus, in his life, also suffered through the death of his cousin and close friend, John, through the death of his father. And this is only stuff that we know from the Bible and some tradition, but he had a whole 30 years of life that we barely know a thing about, but we know was human because Jesus was human. And it was probably an ordinary life in many ways, just like our lives are ordinary and have suffering and have joy in them. So as I reflected on this song and on the humanity and suffering of Jesus, he suddenly became very near to me. I could feel his presence and his nearness and my brokenness. And not only that, but he actually lifted me up out of my pain and suffering. And he gave me a new life and reliance on him. I can't even really explain it, but my hope was renewed, and therefore my life was renewed. I think like when you're in a depression like that, Something you just cannot get any of is hope. But getting hope from Jesus, that he was with me in my suffering, and that he rose from the dead, and that I would also rise from this, was, was what really renewed my life. I think I felt what, like what King David felt like in Psalm 30 when he said, you have brought my soul up from Sheol, which it really means the grave. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. I felt restored to life. And now I continue to experience highs and lows of my walk with God and my mental health, but I can draw on this promise that Jesus is near to the brokenhearted, that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in every way, being tempted in every way, but without sin. I have a Savior who not only redeemed me from my separation from God and my own sinfulness, but who I can see and know and touch one who dwells within the midst of all of us. And Jesus is near to you, too. If you've ever felt far from God or numb to his presence, if you've ever felt suffering and anguish, despair or shame, Jesus is near. He's near to you. Even if you can't feel him there, he is near. He enters into our pain. He's God, and yet he came down to be human. And he's the answer So the question of, does God really care about our suffering? Yes, he cares. And he's as close as possible to you. He binds up your wounds and he shows us his own. Like Thomas, who felt the wounds of Jesus and believed that he was alive, 
we're able to feel the wounds of Jesus, to understand deeply that he has suffered for us and with us. So after this experience, um, I felt and finally answered the call to ministry, to bringing the good news of Jesus to others and walking with them through the ups and downs of faith. Um, and since youth group was so vital and important to me on building the foundation and understanding and community and on lift, um, nurturing my relationship with Jesus, I feel so blessed to be able to um, participate in God's ministry work here at Living Word to our youth here because um, youth group was just invaluable to me. Um, and so I'm so, so blessed to be able to continue working with them. Um, and so thank you all for welcoming me and calling me to participate in the wonderful ministry here. I pray that God would continue to use me and you for, for the ministry here. Thank you. Amen.